Good morning and happy Thanksgiving. Over the years, I've spent a number of times with people who are dying. Some of them have approached death with confidence and joy. And I've seen others, they approach death with, uh, they struggle. What if I'm saved? Not saved. Yes, I prayed for salvation years ago. I've sought to live for the Lord, but what if I'm not really saved? Well, this struggle isn't just those for those who are dying. Many people struggle with the assurance of their salvation. Children especially struggle with assurance. And... Uh, so often, uh, you'll see children, they'll just pray over and over, asking Jesus back into their hearts, because they just aren't sure. Some of you will identify with that. And so am I really saved? Will I really go to heaven? Am I in fellowship with God? And that's what John is trying to answer in the book of 1 John, as uh, we begin to go through this. And he actually gives his purpose statement at the end of the book. In uh, 1 John 5.13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Just previously to that, he says, this then is how we know that we belong to truth and how we set our hearts at, uh, how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. That's what God wants for you is to have hearts that are set at rest in his presence. Now, when I was a child, if I was struggling with assurance about my salvation and were to go and ask someone, I would have likely have received this kind of an answer. The person would say to me, well, you prayed, didn't you, asking Jesus into your heart? Yes, I did. And then they'd maybe quote a verse like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so they'd ask the question, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Well, then he promised you eternal life. Does God lie? No. Well, then you can count on it. And that's kind of the response so often. Someone's struggling with There'll be different forms of it, but that's what we'll give them. But John doesn't do this. When he's talking about assurance of your salvation, whether you know that you're walking in fellowship with God, he instead goes to our actions. Now John has spent a lot of time with Jesus. And Jesus taught that you can know the person by their actions. And so in Matthew 7, 15, as he's talking about false prophets, and he said uh, there's going to be false teachers that come into the church. And how do you know them? By their actions. He turns around in John 13 and he talks of us and he says, how are people going to know that you're his disciple? By your love for one another. In other words, by your actions. That's how we know. And so our actions reveal the condition of the heart, and that's where John takes us to give us assurance about eternal life and fellowship with God. He goes to our actions. And so actions actually become a sign or a mark of a Christian, whether you're in fellowship with God. And so this morning, we're going to begin looking just at the marks of a Christian or signs of a Christian. And I do not have time in six Sundays, I do not have time to go through all the marks that John gives. And so we're not going to look at the complete book. Uh, we're going to be picking out passages as we go through. And as Byron has encouraged you to read it every week, uh, 
read it from the perspective of what mark is John talking about? What sign that I'm in fellowship with God? And see if you can come up with more than what I'm going to be dealing with because certainly they, they are there. And so we're going to skip those first four verses. There's a lot in there. But we're going to go directly into the first sign that he gives us. And that is Christians in fellowship walk in the light. Last night, uh, Esther and I went for a walk. It was warm. It was quiet. Uh, the only noise we had is occasionally we would hear one of Chester's cows moo up there. Uh, that was the only noise that we were hearing. But the best part, it was almost a full moon. And we were walking in the light. No stumbling. It was just beautiful. But then earlier in the day, our small group was out at Brian and Sandra's. And uh, walking back through their pasture there, uh, the hills and the, the trees. And they have those beautiful trails going back through there and uh, all the fall colors. And again, what made that a beautiful experience was the light. Sunlight. It was so warm and we weren't stumbling along. If we'd taken away the light in both experiences and we're walking in darkness, we would have been stumbling along and losing our way. And that's what we are to do is we're to walk in the light. Uh, don't all Christians walk in the light? Can uh, Christians walk in darkness? And the answer to that is yes, you can be a believer and you can walk in darkness. When we're in... Uh, Valley View, uh, Don Harder had come to visit us the one day and uh, our house there had two levels to it. And so the one, as you came in, you were two steps down from the main level and then there was part of the other house, you were two steps down. And uh, he was walking around the house and he didn't turn the light on. He thought he knew his way and he thought he was totally fine in the darkness. And he took a step off there, those two steps. And he really jarred himself. He was hurting for a while. You know, as Christians, we can be like that. We think we're fine. We think we know the way. We think everything is good, yet we're walking in a darkness. And when we do that, we begin to stumble. And when we do that, we then cry out to God and we say, God, where are you? Why am I suffering? Why am I hurting? Where are you? And his answer is, I'm over here in the light. Just move over into the light and walk with me and you won't stumble. But so many Christians would rather walk in the dark. They want to get rid of the stumbling. They want to get rid of the pain. They want the blessings of walking in the light, yet they want to walk in the darkness. And it doesn't work. A long time ago, a lady once told Esther that she envied us. She envied our marriage. She saw our marriage as being, our lives as being blessed and problem-free, that life was good to us. Well, life was unfair to her because she was hurting she was going from one broken relationship to another. She was full of anger and resentments. She was going from one sexual relationship to another, yet seeking a guy who would be faithful to her. And she said it was not her fault. Life was just unfair. Well, Jesus defines that in a different, or John defines that in a different way. It's not about life being unfair. It's simply about moving us from walking in darkness to walking in light. And life will be different. 
And so starting at verse 5, John says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And so John begins with stating God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Light means that God is purity, God is truth, God is spiritual prosperity, God is life, God is everything that is good and holy, whereas darkness is the opposite. Darkness is lies, darkness is false beliefs, darkness is impurity, darkness is destruction and death, darkness is sin, darkness is everything that is unholy. And so in God, God, there's no darkness, there's not even a hint or a trace of it. No sin, no impurity, no false motives, nothing miserable, no lies. He is absolutely perfection in all ways. God himself is light, and he always walks in that light. And so we're going to have fellowship with each other, and fellowship with God, John says, it requires us walking in the light. And so holiness is not an optional accessory that you add to your life if you so choose. It's not like you woke up this morning and you went to your closet and what am I going to wear today? Holiness is not like that. Holiness is an essential towards which we strive because God said, be holy because I'm holy. And so we cannot have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. You can't do that. Today we see so many who would rather redefine sin than call it darkness. So many things that the Bible calls sins have now become a lifestyle choice. My right. I want it and I like it, therefore it's good. And if you try to tell me it's sin, then you're a bad person because you're being hateful. And I'm just going to cancel you out. That's the way it's become. But John in chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. 1 Peter, chapter 1, Peter said, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Paul says in a little bit different way in Romans chapter 12. He says we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. John puts it this way in verse 6. If we claim to be in fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now the problem is many Christians cannot distinguish between what is light and what is darkness. They don't know the difference. Instead of going to God's word to teach them what is light and what darkness is, they go to the world to teach them what is light and darkness. And the world flips upside down and it calls darkness light. And so it's no wonder a lot of Christians are confused. Let's just look at some examples. Here's a common one. I can worship God at home as well as in church. 
Therefore, I don't need to go to church. Sounds good. You can worship God at home, right? I'm sure you can. It sounds like light, but it's actually darkness. Because God's word commands us not to forsake meeting together, getting together. It's a command to be, the, the light says, for us to faithfully be meeting together with God's people. And so to abandon that is actually walking in darkness, even if we're calling it light. Another one. I don't need to forgive. I don't need to forgive until he asks me to forgive him. And he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. When he changes, I will forgive him. I've heard that one so many times over the years. And to the person saying it, it sounds like light. But it's actually darkness. Here's another one. Let's just live together. We love each other and we're fully committed to each other. And to them, that sounds like light. Yet it's darkness. Because it transgresses God's commands and his plans for human relationships. And so John says, if we claim to be in fellowship with Jesus, if we claim to be walking in the light, yet we walk in darkness, he says, we're liars. We're claiming to be walking in purity, truth, and perfection, and yet we're walking in sin, believing and following lies. We're actually self-deceived. We're liars. And so to walk in the light is to walk as God wants you to walk it, as he defines it. Not as you define it or as the world defines it. It's to fulfill his desires, his commands. It's to live out his character, even when it goes against our desires, even when it goes against our culture. And more and more, I'm subscribed to a number of different Christian uh, news uh, outlets. And one thing that keeps dominating the headlines today is the shift in churches. More and more churches are accepting same-sex marriage and affirming that. Over the years, I've seen an increase in alcohol usage. And there again, the Bible doesn't say that's a sin to have a drink. But it does tell us not to get drunk. And I've just seen an increase in partying and drunkenness amongst Christians where Christians are using alcohol to cope with life. I've seen an increase where premarital sex is okay with so many. And now today, Christians are engaging in alternative sexual practices. Lately, one Christian writer, she made the Christian headline news in the U.S. as she revealed that she was in polyamorous relationships. Now, we're familiar with that word polygamy. That's, one, that's a man married to more than one woman. But polyamy is a made-up word to describe a person, male or female, where you have a husband or you have a wife, but you also have other committed sexual relationships. And it's becoming a common thing. Now, this writer had her husband as well as two other committed sexual relationships. And they all say they're fine with that. 
And when she asked about this, she claimed it had no impact on her relationship with Jesus. Jesus was good with it. Today, it seems that Jesus is good with a lot of things that he didn't used to be. But it's other things as well. It's how you run your business. What do you live in? What do you drive? Where do you go for holidays? Those things are good in and of themselves. But when we begin to do those things for ourselves, rather than for God, we're walking in darkness. And John would say, you're lying, you're walking in darkness. It's so easy to come here on Sunday and sing songs of worship, say amen to the truths of God's word, and then you go home and you live for self in this world. And when we do that, John says that when that is true of us, we're lying about being in fellowship with God, and our walk has more to do with darkness than with light. Let's move on to verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light, he says, we'll have fellowship with each other. I understand that. If we're sharing the same values, the same goals, the same beliefs, and so on, that pulls us together. We walk in fellowship. I understand that part. But he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Now, that's a strange one, because what does he mean? I thought the blood, when I took Jesus as my Savior, the blood of Christ purified me from all sin. Didn't it? Of course it did. That's true of your salvation. But that's talking about your standing with God. You're forgiven. You've been cleansed. You've been made holy. You'll go to heaven. But what about today? Your thoughts, your actions, what you look at, what you watch, how you treat other people, on it goes. I believe John is talking about your daily life. We still have our sin nature that we struggle with. We still sin. And this daily struggle of sin, when we do sin, it hinders our fellowship with God. It doesn't make you no longer a Christian. But when you're walking in darkness, you're not having fellowship with God. It hinders the fellowship. And so God is light and he's only light and he has no fellowship with darkness. Light and darkness have no fellowship. And so any step into sin is a step away from fellowship with God. And so to fellowship with God is to shift from darkness to light. It's to live in complete openness to God. And so what John is talking about here is a daily process where we need to be purified from our sins. So he says if we confess in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God wants you to be in a daily relationship with him where you're learning to walk in purity. Where you're moving from the darkness that's in your life to walking in light. And that's what he's wanting us to confess and move. And so I believe we need to be daily living that lifestyle of repentance, daily striving to live the light by allowing the light to reveal where we need to change, confessing what we need to change, agreeing with God, striving to live in the light as he is in the light, allowing God to work out that process in our life daily by forgiving us 
and working with us to change us. And so the more we allow God to work this process within us, the more we'll be walking in fellowship that comes from the light, and the less and less we'll be walking in fellowship with darkness. You know, for most of the book, as you read it, if you have read it, there's one thing, that one word that really stands out, and that's love. John just keeps coming back to that word, love, love, love. But he doesn't start with love. He starts with light. God is light. And if we don't understand, first of all, that God is light, we will get the God is love thing wrong. You see, God is love doesn't mean that God is a permissive, loving God who winks at our darkness. No, God is absolutely love, absolutely holy, where there's no permission for darkness. God is absolutely committed to this process in us and our lives. He is the one who is no darkness. And he's committed to bringing you to the place of no darkness. I have a friend, he grew up on the in another country as a missionary son. And he said his dad learned a valuable lesson in those years as a missionary. He used to go to people and he would tell them all about God's love and how God sent his son in love and uh, Jesus in love died for your sins and you need to accept him as your savior. <coughs> and uh, people got saved. And uh, he would lead them through a prayer. And, um, but as the years went by, he began to notice there really wasn't much difference. They would come to church. They would sing their songs of praise and so on. But they'd go back through the week and kind of live their lives the way they did before. There wasn't a huge change in their lives. And he changed the message from God as love to, first of all, God is light. God is a holy God. And we're to walk in the light. And when they understood that and the contrast of our darkness, then he presented the God of love. And when he had led them in a prayer, he would tell them to take time by themselves and sit down and think of every sin that they had ever committed. Everything, ask God to bring it to their minds. And then he would have them pray and they would confess that those sins before God. They would name those sins. And ask God to forgive them and work holiness in their lives. And he said as time went on, his dad noticed a marked difference between those two. The ones who understood that God was light. And then they understood what God is love really means. They changed. Where the others didn't change near as much. You know, we need some help in this. And you're maybe sitting there saying, well, I see a lot of darkness in my life. How many people here are perfectly holy? Anyone raise your hands? No, we wouldn't say that, would we? We struggle. In fact, John said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. If one of you had raised your hand and said, I'm perfectly holy, I have no sin, John would have said, you're lying. It's not true. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. God is saying you, ha you are sinning. And if you're saying I haven't sinned, you're calling God a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. So the truth is, John says, we all struggle with darkness. Uh, it's part of our human experience. James says we all stumble in many ways. 
And so no one is perfectly walking in the light. There's none of us here this morning who would like to have our lives fully displayed on the screen there. All the secrets, would we? None of us would want that. But thankfully, we have some help in the struggle. And so in verse 2, uh, or verse 1 of John 2, he said, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And so that's the goal, so we don't want to sin. We want to move towards light. But he goes on and he says, If you do sin, he knows that we are going to sin. But holy living as a daily habitual lifestyle is a possibility. We're to increasingly be moving to that, towards that consistency of walking the light. Yes, you're still going to sin. But we should become more and more consistent in our walk in the light as we go along. So while we're still here on earth, we'll not achieve that perfect life of holiness. One day when we go to be Jesus, he's going to complete that process of purity. And we're going to be completely holy. Not just in our standing with him, but also in our practice. I look forward to that day. But for now, we're to be people who are continually moving towards the light. We purify ourselves even as he is pure. And so John says, if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so the goal is that when you do sin, we need to turn to the one who can help us. We have some fantastic help there. For years, I pictured this as God the judge. He's sitting, because he uses that word advocate for Jesus. It sounds like a legal term. And so I pictured this as God the judge is sitting there and, you know, Don blew it again. And he's sitting there in judgment. And Jesus, the advocate, comes along and says, uh, Father, I paid for that sin. And he begins to advocate for us. But I don't believe that's the picture here. Because it's not really using that language. It calls it the father-son relationship. And I think this is the picture. Do you think God drinks coffee? Well, I don't know. You coffee lovers, maybe you will say so. Uh, but uh, father, the Father is the Spirit. I don't believe he does, but the Son could be in heaven drinking coffee. But just picture this, to get, so you get the picture of the intimacy. A father and a son sitting at the kitchen table sharing a cup of coffee together. And they're having a conversation around that cup of coffee. And it's about you. It's about me. And the father says to the son, to Jesus, you know, Don blew it again yesterday. He stepped into darkness. What are we going to do to help him? And Jesus says, well, you know, why don't we? And he gives some kind of idea. They're going to work with me. It's that kind of picture of intimacy. It's a picture of love, not about judgment. Now, as I close here, I want to move from John and just say that God has provided you a light to follow. And that light is found right here. We see the light through the word of God. And if we're not faithfully in God's word, we will struggle with discerning what is light and what is darkness. 
The reality is probably almost all of us are far more exposed to the darkness than we are being exposed, exposing ourselves to the light. And we need to deliberately begin to expose ourselves to the light in a greater way. I want to finish with a story. Many years ago, Esther's parents uh, ranched at Merritt, uh, B.C. And uh, it was a beautiful setup because the ranch was down in the valley and then you had the mountain ranges going up. And uh, they went up mountain after mountain getting higher until after the last peak, it all went down to the Fraser River. And so in the spring, uh, down in the valley, as the grass was growing and the snow was slowly melting up, going up to elevation, they would just turn the cows loose. And the cows would follow, they, they wouldn't stay there, they would just follow the snow melt and the new fresh grass. They loved that. And so they're always eating that new grass that was growing and they would just keep going up. But eventually they would reach the top and some of them would go over the top and start down the other side. And so in the fall, they would have to uh, go up there and they'd haul the horses uh, way up there, miles into the mountains there, and uh, ride up over the top and make sure all the cattle were back over the top and far enough down uh, so as the snow started uh, coming again, the snow would push them down and then they'd eat, eat the grass and uh, they would just keep ahead of the snowfall and eventually they would show up back at the ranch. One day they would just literally walk in. And so that uh, fall I was helping them and uh, we were heading up in the mountains each day and uh, riding horseback all day and uh, the one day as we were coming out of the mountains, uh, we were part way out. It was uh, long past dark. We were winding our way through a valley. When, uh, and uh, Esther's dad and her brother were in uh, the truck calling horses ahead of me. I was driving um, dad's pickup truck behind. And uh, suddenly in the lights of their truck, this man came running out of the ditch. He had a rifle in his hand. He was pointing the rifle at them and he was frantically waving and just right in front of them. And all they saw was this man jump out of the ditch pointing a rifle at him. And uh, so dad, he just stepped on the gas and he was passed. But I had more time to think. And I, this is a guy in desperation. And my immediate thought was, I bet he's lost. A hunter that's lost. And so I stopped and I picked him up and he was in his early 70s, he was wet, he was cold, he was shivering. And uh, what had happened is early that morning, he'd gone way up there in the mountains uh, to hunt. Uh, he was above, above the snow line and uh, he saw the buck of his dreams. And without giving it much thought, he parked his truck and he pursued the buck. Uh, he left everything behind him. Um, just took his rifle and it began to snow soon. And the snow was filling his tracks. He became disorientated and he got lost. He couldn't even follow his tracks back to where his truck was. All day he had wandered in that wet snow, trekking for miles up and down uh, through bush and rocks, trying to find his truck, uh, no food. He, just, he ate snow for water. Uh, the day he was fast uh, fading, uh, slipping away, and he was cold, he was exhausted. He gave up on trying to find his truck. He only hoped that he could find his way out to the road that he'd come in on. And he knew that there were ranchers, there was other ranchers up there doing the same thing that we were. And uh, his hope was, if I can find that road, 
I can maybe catch a ride as one of them are coming out. And uh, he didn't know where to go, but uh, he started climbing a mountain uh, to get his bearings where he was. And thankfully for him, when he got to the top and he looked down and there was that long valley where the road was. And he could see all these lights coming. But he still had to get down off that mountain, down to the bottom of the valley. And uh, he described it. He ran when he could run. He stumbled. He rolled. He was falling at times and uh, trying to cross uh, the logs and so on that had fallen down. And he was in a panic. And uh, one by one, as he made his way down the mountains, he could see those lights go by. And he knew. He told me, if I... I'm out here all night. I'm going to die. He knew that. Finally, all the lights were by, and he thought it was all over. And then all of a sudden, he saw two lights coming way back there. And he said, I just put it in overdrive, and I gave it all I had to get out to the road. And he reached the road just in time to stumble in front of my, uh, my father-in-law. And I picked him up. You know, it was a near disaster for him. All because he did not take with him three things that would have been a light to his path. A map. He had it, but it was back in the truck. A compass. He had it, but it was back in his truck. And if he carried a flashlight, he had it, but it was back in his truck. And figuratively all day, he walked in darkness and almost lost his light and literally ended up spending the end of his day stumbling in the dark. You know, as Christians, we have the map. We have the compass. We have the flashlight. We don't need to walk in darkness. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I shared my testimony last week how I saved at the Bible camp. You know, that same year they made us memorize that verse. And that verse has served me well. When you look at the surveys of believers and how much time they actually are in the word, it's not very good. You know, it was encouraging when COVID happened. Bible sold out. Stores didn't have enough. They couldn't get enough. People wanted the Bible suddenly and they wanted to read it. And Bible reading in North America just spiked. But you know what's happened this last year? The surveys say that it's worse than ever. People are walking without the light. How are we going to walk in the light if we're not intimate with the source of the light?